Welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel, Conversations from the Frontline, a podcast and live show for survivors and the leaders who support them. I'm your host, Kelly Humphreys, a survivor of child sexual abuse, advocate, author, speaker, ambassador, a lover of all things outdoors with over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Please support me in my mission to break cycles of abuse and trauma. You can help by donating to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. Hello guys and welcome to episode number 21, oh my goodness, of Off the Cuff with Kel. So tonight we have a really exceptional panel. I'm so excited um, to have this conversation. I know it's so needed. Um, we are going to talk about some tough stuff tonight. It is uh, obviously, if you've listened before, we talk about child sexual abuse themes. So if you need any support, there's numbers on my website. Um, but let's get cracking. Nelio, Justine, welcome uh, back. Welcome back because you've both been here before. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. It's good to be here. No, I love it. Um, so Justine, you're a uh, coach. Um, you've dealt with trauma yourself. You're a relationship coach. Neil, CEO of general manager, I don't want to get it wrong, uh, Child Safe Australia and Survivor, uh, both amazing speakers, both amazing uh, human beings. Um, and I couldn't think of anyone better to come and have this conversation with me because Justine, like, is the queen of questions. Um, and Neil is just an incredibly powerful man um, and just, yeah, just an amazing story. So uh, I wanted to bring you both on tonight because... Uh, Christmas is shit for lots of people and um, basically, you know, we want to have an amazing holiday and an amazing time but for so many of us survivors, we struggle around holidays and in particular obviously with Christmas coming up, uh, there's a lot of fear out there and a lot of people really struggling to think about how to navigate this time. So I wanted to come together and think about how we could have a conversation around some strategies, how to make it more impactful and empowering, how maybe we can break some cycles around, uh, you know, owning this time for ourselves instead of being bound by the people in our lives to be obligated to do things um, and being triggered uh, to spend time with people who may have hurt us or let us down or disappointed us or, in fact, um, been our abusers basically. So, um, I just want to hand over, maybe I'll start with you, Neil, just to, you know, have a bit of a chat and, you know, introduce yourself and then Justine will go over to you. Sure. Yeah. I'm Neil. Um, I am, uh, the general manager of child safe Australia. Um, I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse. I was abused for about three, three years by another child from ages about 10 to 13 years old. Um, and uh, I didn't really realize it was abuse until I was 21 years old uh, when I was having a conversation with someone. Uh, and the reason why I didn't think it was abuse is because I came to um, a trusted adult and, uh, and they just told me it was just experimenting. And so that abuse continued um, to which I thought it was experimenting until I was 21 years old and I really heard um, from this person that said, actually, no, you know, that's grooming and that's abuse. And I was like, oh, no, no, you know, this person said this and this trusted adult said this. And unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we trust adults often, you know, and sometimes um, they could be wrong. And um, and so, yeah, and it wasn't until I was 21 that I really realised that I needed to sort of work through that. And then really, honestly, it's probably been in the last year Um after sort of going on a bit of a journey and, and working out the impact of abuse in my life, the, mm. the absolute mm. impact of, of actually not having a voice and because that trusted adult didn't listen to me and didn't actually act when they should have, it actually changed my entire life. It actually changed my entire life and um, I realised that I needed to have my voice heard everywhere I went and now I live to fight for people's voices to be heard. You know, I live to fight for children's voices to be heard. I even started a business um, 
called the Table Talk Project, which is about supporting families to have conversation around the dinner table so that children can have a voice at the table because I never had one. And uh, it's just so important. I'm really grateful. And, and um, you know, going with what you're talking about tonight, I'm about to go home, um, which is where some of that abuse happened um, with this child, uh, not a family member, but someone else uh, from a school um, and a so-called friend. And, um, and it's the first time since it really being acknowledged that I'm actually going home. So... Um, I'm a little nervous, to be honest with you, um, uh, but I, I have some strategies I'll, I'll, I'll share with you guys uh, when it's the right time. Thanks, Kill. No, that's awesome. Justine, we'll hand over to you. Uh, my name is Justine. I'm a coach and I live on the south coast of New South Wales. I'm a survivor as well. Very similar story to Neil where, um, I, I would, except I was very young, but I disclosed to a, a trusted adult. Um I was, uh, I was up until I was the age of six, so the few years prior to that, and I disclosed and wasn't believed and I was uh, made to keep a secret by my parent uh, and then suffered a lot of narcissistic abuse from her in order to keep her secret. Um, and that went on for decades. So he passed away when I was about six, so it stopped, but it was... A legacy that just kept coming back throughout patterns in my life. Um, so I'm very passionate about uh, people speaking up until they get heard. Um, and I work with a lot of adults who um, are recovering, who are survivors. Yeah. And it's very, very interesting how many people did actually disclose but weren't supported or were um, incriminated by their family and made to keep quiet. I think, and thank you both for sharing, um, as always. I always just love, um, you know, you, you're both so inspiring in your own right, and particularly you, Neil, I've just seen in the last year you've just become a powerhouse as you've grown uh, in this in this space. And um, I just acknowledge both of you for the work that you do and the support that you offer, and particularly to me. Um, you guys are, like, rock solid for me, and I really appreciate that. So um but i think you've both touched on some really important things and i think it's really about that uh not being heard when you've spoken up and this is where our problems i guess for me how i see it this is where so many of our issues happen and i think justine you said it um it just keeps getting kind of repeated over and over and I know you always talk about the lenses and, and, you know, what kind of perspective you're kind of looking at. And we sabotage so much of our life um, by, you know, getting to that point where we think we're okay and then kind of um, uh, sabotaging what's going on. And, you know, we don't stand by our boundaries. We don't stick by our boundaries. We give in to them in, in a, a trauma response, which which we know is fawning, is people-pleasing, and we do it because we don't want to upset people. And it's a lot of the reason many of us have stayed silent for so long um, and, you know, not kind of knowing. And, and I know when I put a call out on social media, it was one of the things is about how do I talk to my family? How do I put these boundaries in place? And so I'd love to hear from you guys about how you might be able to set yourself up to have and set these boundaries up around family that perhaps hasn't listened to you or, you know, hasn't believed you and has kind of left this real feeling of confusion and distrust and betrayal, which makes us feel really unsafe, I guess. Mm. Neil, do you want to take that first? Sure. I mean, look, you know, the trusted adult I'm talking about is my parents, you know, mm, yeah. and um, <clears throat> to this day they don't know. They just don't know. They're not on Facebook. Um, they're not on social media. They don't know. And I, I have made a decision that I'm not going to talk to them about it. And the reason why I'm not is because I believe um, that they would probably still think the same. And mm. 
The thing I really believe that, you know, I mean, my abuse happened in the uh, early 90s, late 80s. And so there's a way different mentality back then, you know, it was very, um, and look, I, I think, honestly, I don't think it's changed that much, to be honest with you. I think we've got a lot more education, but I don't think that the eyes have been opened as much as it could be, you know, the statistics of one in five, one in four, you know, um, I just don't think that, um, that especially that generation is really, really understood. And I think for me personally, um, I, I've chosen that the relationship with my parents as they're quite old um, is more important right now than for me to talk about my story with them and knowing that they would probably believe that it was still experimenting. I have set up a network of people. We're going back to see my best mates and uh, his wife and the kids and things like that. And they know, right. And so I've got a real support there. Um, and so that's something that, you know, is really important for me. So I think sometimes you have to make, I'm all for speaking out hundred percent and I advocate that 100%. I think you've got to read the room as well. And I think sometimes, sometimes, especially with relationships, especially, you know, specifically with parents and those sorts of um, people that are really close. If you want to keep that relationship, sometimes it might be better to talk with the people that you are trusting and those sort of things, but instead of those and wait till the right time for that to occur. Does that make sense? Like I, yeah. I just think you need to be smart and wise in that. And because what I've found is that actually I think this is my story, right? I think if I was to go down that track, sit them down say, hey, your mum, dad, just let you know, you know, back in the early, the late 80s, early 90s, we had a conversation that I know you've forgotten, but that changed my life forever. I'm not sure how that would help my relationship right now with them, you mm. know, and uh, I've worked really hard, worked my ass off to just be okay in that relationship so I can still have a mum and dad because they do actually love me, um, I think. <laughs> um, they don't tell me, but, um, and that's something I, I work on all the time. But the reality is that I think for me personally, um, the relationship uh, outweighs speaking about that at that time in this holiday time, you know? And mm. um, yeah, I hope that's making sense, Kill. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, this time of year is tough for people anyway, because you know, there's a lot of dysfunction in a lot of families, but you add this element to it and it magnifies it by a thousand. Mm. Um, I think for me, like I'm, a, I'm an advocate for no contact with people who don't support. Um, however, it was different in my instance because mum walked in on us and right. saw it. And in the same period of time, as a little person, and I was four, and I know I was four when I said to her, he's doing this. The reason I know that is because she said, how could you remember telling me that you were only four? So it was kind of an admission. Yeah. So just one thing that doesn't excuse people not supporting kids when they disclose back then is generate that generational piece you're talking about, Neil, is you know, my parents are now in their 70, mid-70s and back then they had no support even if they did go looking yep. and they would have been persecuted by their own family. Yep. Um, again, doesn't excuse not supporting and doesn't excuse, um, you know, making a mess of somebody's life in order to force them to keep a secret. Mm -hmm. It's just seeking to understand why they did what they did uh, and I think that's important as well um with regards to going back to you know wherever you're going this christmas and if your abuser is around if if people who support them are around like kel was talking about boundaries mm. um i don't put myself in that situation ever and i think sometimes we are so afraid of losing relationships yeah. And we're so afraid of criticism and disapproval that we will sacrifice our own needs in order to keep them, especially when they're toxic, 
because when we were a little person, um, not only were we not taught boundaries, but we had them trampled over repeatedly. So we mm. feel a lot of shame and unworthiness around having boundaries. And yeah. boundaries are practice. There's a great book called Boundary Boss. Um, I think the girls can pop it in the in the show notes. Boundary Boss is absolutely brilliant book to help you generally with boundaries, but particularly with these kinds of boundaries. So it's worth a read. Mm. Yeah, and I think um, you know, it's interesting. You said that they, your parents, you know, your mum walked in that same thing. Mm. Walked walked in with this guy on top of me, and uh, yeah, and just said, oh, I think, you know, I think you should go home now or something like that, right? That was it, you know. And and when I talked to him, mum about that particular stuff, you know, so I oh, just experimenting, you know. I wanted her to stop, you know. I wanted her to say, look, you know, never seeing this person again. Mm. You know, I'm going to stop this, you know, da, da, da. Um, and they didn't. And I think, I think the thing is for me, you, know, you talk about boundaries, I think that's really important. Mm. Um, and so important. And I guess for me right now, because I'm really kind of working through my counsel and things like that around over the last year, um, uh, I'm pretty emotionally tapped out, you know, yeah. what I mean? like as in like, like right up. Yeah. And so I, I don't have the emotional capacity right now to add something extra, you know what I mean? And I, I don't have the emotional capacity to, to add that type of thing for, you know, in, in the mix. And so, yeah, the challenge is, and the boundary that I've put in place is that, you know, I'm going to try and have a really good time seeing brothers and friends and all that sort of stuff and try to have that time and not, you know, and talk to my wife behind closed doors, you know what I mean? And, and, and talk about how I'm feeling and, and she'll, she's very kind. So she will, um, she'll ask me about those things. But I, I wouldn't. I'm not denying that I'm quite nervous about going back to that place. You know, it's 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 um, it doesn't rep it doesn't represent a safe environment for me. Yeah. But, um, but it is what it is in some ways. Um, <clears throat> go, Cal. No, no. I was just. I I just appreciate uh, the, the comments because. I think it must be so difficult. So everybody's got their own situation and it depends on, you know, and, and again, we have to go back to the fact that 89% of abuse occurs um, by, by somebody who is known to the child, which makes it really, really difficult. And it doesn't matter who you are. Most of the time our abuser is, is known to us, whether it's another sibling or an older child or a family member, it's, it's really hard to, um, you know, navigate holiday periods or times of rest or whatever when families get together. Um, and it's very difficult to put boundaries in place, especially if you weren't seen or heard or listened to um, yeah. and, and not, not believed. And I think that must be really difficult. And I guess the thing for me that I'm hearing, um, and I know for myself that I struggle, the thing I struggle with the most is the thing I need to do the most. And that is to have the conversations. And like like you're saying, Neil, about your parents and, and Justin, you've made the choice to say, no, I'm not going to even have that relationship because of, you know, my story. I think it must have to come down to that open communication and whether the person is willing to acknowledge their role in it, you know, take responsibility or action for, you know, what they did and take ownership and responsibility but most people unfortunately won't do that because of the shame on their own self and um you know we are at a really really generational kind of place i think for all of us we're you know over 40 at least or neil you look pretty young with your glowing oh. skin there but uh, <laughs> you know it, it's Definitely the generation <laughs> yeah yeah well, you know, there, there was no support, um, I think, until I was at least 16 uh, in, in being able to disclose and organisations that were present for any of us who were able to talk about this. So mm. we're at a real cusp of, I think, um, people learning how to speak up and how to have these conversations and, you know, the older generation shutting us down. Um, and, and I think yeah. it's, it's got to come down to these conversations and being empowered to have these conversations and knowing what we need ourselves so 
Neil, you've got some plans in place because you know that you're maybe not too sure about how this is going to work. Justine, you've made things and decisions about, you know, what's going to work for you and you've set those boundaries like really, really concrete um, because you know that you just, it, it's not okay with you. And I think that's really important. We've got to uh, work out exactly what it is that we need and then have the conversation with the people we need to have it with. But if they don't respect you, for me, that's where you draw that line, like that yeah. you're talking about. It's like if they're not going to respect my needs around holiday or these periods, that's it, you know. And, you know, we, we know the stats now, one in three girls, one in five boys before the age mm -hmm. of 18 have been sexually abused. That's 28%. Guaranteed someone in your family is going to have a lived experience, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I just know that... At, all of these holiday gatherings, there's going to be someone who hasn't disclosed and there's going to be a yeah. family member that is that perpetrator or that they're forced to see. They're mm. forced to see this person and they've never told anyone about it. Yeah. Now, I want to know, I want to try to work out how we empower our listeners. Like what, what strategies can they put in place when nobody knows about this? Like, Neil, you, you sort of touched on some stuff. But being put into the position where you have to connect with these people or you feel obligated to connect with these people or you you should because it's Christmas and because it's Easter and because it's whatever holiday, so you're, you, there's an expectation on you to show up. Can I just, one thing that's interesting to me is that, um, and I know that I sound very matter-of-fact when I talk about this stuff, but I disclosed to several family members once I got older and um i think just getting back to disclosing a lot of people aren't equipped to handle a disclosure people actually have to train at uni and college and several courses and forums to learn how to handle a disclosure but uh then now you know circling forward to what you just said then um if you go to a family gathering and you haven't disclosed you cannot expect to be protected or heard or seen or validated or to feel safe because you're consciously going into an environment that is not safe. And so the lens thing, you know, you're walking in, I'm not safe, nobody's going to protect me. You, you've got all of these lenses on. And it's no, wonder, it's no wonder people are bloody terrified to go because they haven't disclosed so they've got that trauma they don't feel safe they're worried that if and the other thing is people can only um respond how you see them so you're going in having not disclosed and you're looking at these people your behavior your physiology is going to give a message to them so you're walking in apprehensive, shy, maybe snappy, maybe tired. Oh, I've got a headache. Like all of your avoidance behaviours, all of that's going to start kicking in. Or you might um, give somebody a praying mantis hug, you know, your, your abuser or, you know, somebody you know that will support them, right? So then the room will respond to that and people will each make their own assumptions. Well, she's being prickly today or, or he's being difficult or what the hell's wrong with them? And then you feel further persecuted and more unsafe. Yeah. So my okay. recommendation is find someone to disclose to. I'd say a therapist, a counsellor, your GP, well prior, well prior, and get some support and disclose so that you feel seen and heard and start getting some help around it because you're setting yourself up for failure walking into an environment like that based on what I've just said, you know, because I'm specialised in physiology and body language and so much is said and misunderstood in the unspoken. Yeah. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I fully agree with that. And, um, you know, Robin Williams said, you know, everyone's fighting a battle you know nothing about. Like, mm -hmm. let's be honest, right? Let's 100% be honest everyone has had a, a different type of year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. anyone who, like if you have a gathering of 20 people, right, every single one of those 20 people has had a different year. Like it, it, there's been shit that's happened and there's been some great stuff or whatever it is, but we all come with our stuff. Like mm -hmm. we all come 
to wherever we are with our stuff. And you're 100% right. That actually does come out. But the way I see it is I can promise myself later on to get angry and get frustrated and get, you know, and allow those emotions out in a crowd of people. Um, you know, I know that's not going to be helpful. Now, if in that moment, like, you know, I get really pissed off or whatever it is, I feel it coming, then I'll be self-aware enough to go and excuse myself, mm. and go and do the dishes or go to the toilet, or whatever I'll do in order to breathe and to take that moment to look myself in the mirror and just have that moment. Um, and hopefully you're able to do that in that in that space you know, one of the one of the hardest things that i find in the environment that i'm about to walk in is whenever i open up about anything that is important you know like something that's important to me like those trusted adults literally get up and leave the room and i'm not even joking like that happens and that is the most dis concerning thing that I have that I have ever experienced because it feels like that's at me now I don't know if it's at me or not it just happens at that time every time that if I open up whatever it is and so the thing that um the thing that I have had to do is I've had to try to be okay with who I am as a person and you know what who gives a shit what they think about me in that moment, I can still be who I am and still be okay. And I know that I'm a survivor. I know that I am broken. I know that I'm hurt. I know that I'm tapped out emotionally. So because I'm self-aware enough to know that, I know that if it gets a bit too hot in the kitchen, that I can take a little bit of time. Or if it gets really hot, I'm out. Like I've got mm. no problems in saying I'm out, I'm done. You know what I mean? And I, I've got kids, so I could make excuses in some ways. You know what I mean? Oh, they're not feeling well or whatever. You know, and I guess the thing is for me is that um, the strategies that I think is is really, really important is you're not going to know what's actually going to happen, right? So it's hard to prepare, but what you can do is you can prepare you. You can prepare you as a person, you, mm -hmm. your heart, your body, your mind, those sort of things, so that when you walk into that, environment that could be crazy messed up whatever it is hurtful broken that you can still be who you are and that doesn't change and it's not that you hide who you are and like that but that you know that in that moment that you only need to give the information that you need to give and i'm 100 agreeance with you justine your family environment at christmas may not be the right place to disclose it, it, it you're not going to get that listening voice you're not going to be heard you're not going to be acknowledged and most often they won't understand and so and that could cause a whole bunch of different things so if you disclose like you said at with a counselor or a therapist or someone that you trust sitting down with them and making it actually a really important conversation then that's going to actually prepare you for the environment you're about to walk in does that make sense? So good, guys. I love it. I'm just kind of thinking around that and, and like, for me, I would think I'm very good because I, I've got a little bit of PTSD stuff going on, so I'm very uh, preemptive of, of situations and, and, and like you're saying, Neil, preparing your heart and your mind and stuff like that. I kind of like to give myself an out if I need it. Right. Like if yeah. I know that I'm obligated to do something, I'm, I'm not really sure that I've got the emotional capacity to do it, but I, I know that I probably should. I, um, I'll, I'll set myself up to go, okay, I'm going to give myself two hours. I'm going to give myself two hours and, you know, I will have told somebody, say, look, I'm not great at the moment. I'm just letting you know that I'm going to stay for two hours and if I'm still feeling okay, then I'll stay a bit longer. And, and it's just about like knowing what I'm capable of giving before I step into that environment and what I'm willing to commit. And, and there's some things particularly that, especially when family gets together, if they drink, right, yeah. alcohol, yeah. drugs, yeah. Um, 
the time of day, if you're staying overnight, those types of things. Mm. If you know that you've got a family that's chaotic and when they drink, they let loose, maybe that's time to suggest having a barbecue lunch like and cutting loose before it gets to dinner time. You know, putting strategies around that you know that you feel comfortable and safe with and you've communicated before entering into that space. Like you don't have to even, and I know we're talking about child abuse, but you don't have to and you do not owe anyone any fucking explanation. No. You do yeah. not have to justify your reasons. No needing space, for needing time, for needing anything. If the people in your life do not respect your needs, regardless of whether it's around child abuse, you might be just unwell. You might just actually have a condition or fucking you might just be tired. Maybe you didn't get some sleep. I don't know. Who gives a shit? If your family yeah. and the people yeah. around you are not respectful of the things that you need, your time, your space, your energy, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to come to my family. It's simple, right? Like, you know, find your people and it doesn't have to always be blood. Honestly, I know we feel so obligated by the people that, you know, we're legally related to. <laughs> you know, we get to choose our people sometimes. I think you 100% get to choose your people. Um, if you are uncomfortable going somewhere, you have the Christmas yourself at your place. We've yeah, done that yes. a couple of times and we've only invited the people that we wanted to be there. Yeah. You know? um, I want to uh, bring up some dysfunctional family holiday rules that I found. Uh, this is fascinating. Dysfunctional. So this dysfunctional. is dysfunctional. So not good rules. Very not bad. Good. Very bad. This is, this is how most of us were raised, right? Uh, number one, keep the most powerful members, family members happy. That's bullshit. And this is a thing to remember when you're at a family mm. gathering um, mm. is that you, I guarantee you you're not going to be the only person there that suffered some kind of trauma when you get a room full of people, when you look at the stats, right? So you've got a lot of people uncomfortable and they're all dancing around the most powerful person in the family. That may be the abuser or the person that's protected the abuser. Um, that is, it's not okay. You know, it's almost an unspoken thing. Everyone's afraid to rock the boat because we don't want to upset Nana or whoever it is, right? The matriarch or the patriarch, yeah, yes. That will, or even, you know, a sibling, a, yeah. a, you know, high-maintenance or toxic sibling. So that's a, that's a huge red flag. Um, number two, traditions matter more than people. I have seen families torn apart by their uh, insistence on keeping to tradition. Even though everybody's miserable, everyone's yeah. upset, it's just so damaging. Number three, how it looks is more important than how you feel. Um, this is something I was raised in. Everything looked rosy from the outside and we all had to perform and I learned to become a chameleon because I had to keep everyone happy. Mm -hmm. um, we, adapt, we adopt really um, toxic coping mechanisms when we're a kid. Uh, when we're children because that keeps us safe at the time so you might become a people pleaser or you might become very subservient and compliant and obedient and quiet or be the entertainer like there's so many different things so um it doesn't matter how it looks if you're feeling uncomfortable get the fuck out of there yeah get out just leave number four offensive behavior isn't the problem the problem is having a problem with offensive behavior how many people will protect someone and not speak up when you've got um, a family member who's dominating everyone or gossiping or speak constantly speaking negatively, nobody tells them to shut up or change the subject. Everyone's upset if if you do. If you say, look, I'm not really comfortable with this conversation, can we change topic? And everyone attacks you and you're like, what? You know, that's another thing that mm. is accepted in families. Number five, know your place in the family hierarchy this one again just goes without saying uh number six this is one that i got a lot that's just how they are you know they're just like that well they might they are like that and that's not okay uh and number seven children must appear joyful compliant and make the adults feel special at all times yeah 
I was raised in a family like this. So they're the dysfunctional. 1930s or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's unbelievable. <laughs> but like I said, when you're looking at the people that the likes of our age group, or I'm, I'm older than both of you put together, but the, the likes that our age group um, <laughs> disclosed to people who believed these things, people yeah, who believed these things and were raised, yeah. so they were terrified. Um I love the idea of going to a family gathering and setting a time limit. I love the idea of, um, you know, having a strategy in place to, to, to leave. I'm a huge advocate. I used to have a, a little black book full of excuses and then I'd, I'd literally manifest migraines so that I wouldn't have to be around certain family members. Um, basically now I just say, no, thank you. I won't put myself in a situation where... I know that shit's going to go down or that things are going to be uncomfortable. You do not have to explain yourself to anybody about anything. Mm. And, and, and like I said, sometimes the people, this is a good one to remember, sometimes the people that are, get upset with you making a boundary in the family are the ones who will cop the flack if you're not there. Some people will try and guilt you into being there because it takes a little bit of pressure or the focus off them having to cope with the the person yeah it's interesting you say that because um one of the things um you know one one of the reasons we're not you know don't like to go back is because of the pressure like the pressure of you know having to be i don't know performing something that you're not a version of yourself that you're not what's really interesting is i listened to that released there's so many of those seven that are grooming behaviors 100 percent. like you know like i, I just, I just i'm reading that and i'm like oh my goodness that's like that's like a perpetrator reading something to a child mm-hmm. going this is what you need to be you know what i mean yeah. know your place don't speak up put a happy face on you know so it's exactly what a groomer says and that's so that's the- that generational stuff that they've been taught so some people our family unwittingly are teaching that yeah, exactly. That's what they were taught by their parents. So there's this unspoken yeah. compliance generationally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's pretty. I think it's really interesting. Um, oh, sorry. No, go. I, I think it's interesting you said, um, Justine, about manifesting migraines. Like, I, I, I just think, and and I only know this because I, I was in a very toxic relationship for a, a long time, and and I used to get when things weren't good. I'd start feeling physically sick, right? Mm. Like my whole body would like clench up and I'd actually want to vomit. Like I'd have all these like symptoms of panic attacks and things like that and I was not okay. And if you're in a situation where your family is that toxic Mm. that you're feeling those types of feelings, before you go and spend time with them, I, I... these boundaries are going to save your life putting boundaries in place and you know recognizing and i think that's important like the recognizing what this is actually doing to you because a lot of times we're so like it's so ingrained in us to do the thing to suck it up up and just do it because that's what we've been always taught to do and you just said it justine when people start putting boundaries in place that they've never actually stood up for themselves. Everybody else in the family or whatever starts thinking, uh, oh, fuck, they're a bitch. Like, what the fuck's wrong with them? Like, and start getting really angry and retaliate and can sometimes really lash out. Mm. And they're not your people, honestly, because when if you're starting to stand up for yourself and the people in your life are not respecting those boundaries and that, um, you know, you taking care of yourself... They're not your fucking people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not your people. Just like, um, I get on your, yeah, <laughs> on your point about, um, you know, getting physically sick and having those symptoms of stress, yes. headaches, migraines, panic attacks, the whole kit and caboodle. It's trauma response. Well, we get upset about it, but I want people to understand that means that your nervous system is working perfectly because it's designed to protect you. Mm. And yes, so sending messages. When we are too fearful to speak up, our body will speak for us. And and it's so important to pay attention to how you feel. Stop and notice and breathe and go, why am I feeling this? 
what's coming up as in is it an event am I catching up with someone uh, I think that the fascinating thing about human nature is that we are so terrified of rejection and criticism that we would rather hold on to a relationship that is tearing us to shreds mentally and emotionally um, than get rid of that relationship mm-hmm. and find healthier relationships, healthier friendships. It's true. And you know what? We're attracted to it. Do you know what I mean? We're attracted to unhealthy relationships when we've been abused. That's the truth because it's something that we oh, have. Oh, big time. It's what, it's what we've known. You know, it's, it's, it's something that um, in the weirdest way that I, this, I say weird because this is how I feel um, about myself is that the weirdest way is that you get attracted to unhealthy, toxic relationships because that's what you feel like you deserve. And yeah. that's complete bullshit and a lie. But it's something that, because, you know, I mean, personally, I, I still, I'm still wrestling with, I don't feel like I'm enough, you know, it's, 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 it's something that is a constant message that I try to change all the time. And, and that is exasperated when I'm amongst the people that didn't believe me in the first place, you know, and I, sorry, Neil, may I ask you a question? Cause um, may I ask you a question? Yeah, go for it. What evidence do you have that you are not enough? Yeah, I I mean, it's a a wonderful question. And uh, it's something that I wrestle with a lot. Um, But particularly, um, you know, going back to, you know, family and and those sorts of things. Um, You know, as a child, you know, my dad, you know, was very much, um, I was never enough for him. And, you know, whether it be a maths problem or whether it be sport or whether it be whatever it is yeah um from that perspective um that's, but a, also, that's a perfect answer it's that thing where yeah. we when something happens when we're a little kid we attach a meaning to it so we've got a frustrated adult who's putting pressure on us to do well whatever their motivation is mm. but the message we receive is that we're not good enough and then you add abuse to that you add not being heard to that Mm. Um, and it just completely compounds the not enoughness. But we're constantly measuring ourselves against a, a level of enoughness that isn't real. Mm. And that's why, that's why I see. That's why I see. You know, like I'm just constantly in recovery. You know what I mean? Like I, I mean, mm. and Kel's seen me grow over the last many years, yeah. um, and I know I've grown a lot. But there's a long way to go. One thing I wanted to pick up. Um, that I think is really important um, is that we need to put boundaries, not just about the place we're going to be, but the conversations we're going to have. And what I mean by that is that you've, you've got to know what's off limits. Do you know what I mean? Like at what point in a conversation do you go, I'm sorry, like I I can't, I'm not, I'm not talking about that right now. Mm. and then change the subject whatever it is you know because you've got to put boundaries in your in your in your own life and in your own conversations as well so um because you know that whole um you know you get to the party or you get to the family gathering whatever and they're like oh you know you know how are you going and everyone says either good or whatever it is no one really says bad or you go oh, what have you been up to oh busy even though you haven't seen them for six to 12 months or more or whatever it is and it's either that's the end of the conversation and you might be happy with that, you know, but maybe you want to find out a little bit more or whatever it is, or they start to ask or, you know, maybe because we are out there about our stories and things like that, that maybe they say, hey, you know, I heard you on the podcast or I heard this or whatever it is, like, you know, how are you going? Or maybe they won't ask that, whatever. But what I'm saying is like, I think we, if we're walking into those environments, we also need to put boundaries in about the conversations we're going to have and receive because often, you know, we receive the information that people say to us and we've got to decide how we, how we actually do that. And it might mean that you need to say, actually, I'm not talking about that right now. Or, um, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm actually really offended by what you've said that impacts me personally. So we're going to stop this conversation. Mm-hmm. Right now. You know, I think that's really bold and courageous but I do think it's important to have boundaries around conversation. 
Hundred percent, you're right about that. It's also like that's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant, and it's a great idea to go equipped with two or three responses that you've practiced in advance. Because when you're going to a situation like you said, Neil, you're anticipating who's going to have a chat with you and what they're going to bring up because they always do. Mm -hmm. So you've got that historical thing there. So you can sit down and go, right, who's likely to want to have a chat? Who's likely to be a bit disruptive? And think of two or three sentences or responses and that, that will shut it down respectfully and, you know, so that you stay classy um, and practice them so that they roll off the tongue. Mm. You won't, yeah, because we're not going to be surprised that Fred's going to bring something up. So if we're equipped with a response that shuts it down with class, uh, we'll feel a lot more confident. Why do you even say it? <laughs> What's that? You don't always have to be classy, just like, that's it. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. No, but Neil's yeah. got a brilliant point there, yeah. No, it is. It, and, guys, like, this is such – we could probably talk about this all night. It's so good. Um, I just wanted to say one thing, and, and then I wanted to talk about um, some parenting stuff real quick. Yeah. Um, I think the majority – like, the thing with holidays and for us who are survivors, I think a lot of it is the need to feel seen, right? Yeah. We often – are putting ourselves, I think, in positions. And even if we've never disclosed, we're still looking for that connection and and that validation from people. Um, because for the longest time, even though I'd never disclosed, I kind of hoped that they knew, even though I never said anything. So I know that sounds a bit ridiculous. It doesn't. But it's like you want you you're wanting this connection, and and often that's the part that perpetrators will exploit because that's the kind of loving and caring person you are you want that connection validation from family but sometimes family they can't see you unless you're willing to be vulnerable and holidays may not be that time but for you know and, and i'm not saying be a kelly or a neil or a justine but when people know your story you are able to effectively put boundaries in place and own those boundaries in a way that respect cannot be denied when I, they know my story, they're like, do you know what, guys? I'm having a really big week at the moment. I've done a couple of podcasts. I've been speaking. I do not want to have any conversations over this break about my work. Mm. And when I can own that, they're just going to go, oh, fuck, okay, no worries. And as soon as they start to go, I say, guys, I remember what I said. And they're like, oh, yeah, no worries. Because I've owned my boundaries and I know what I need. And when you know what you need and you can communicate it powerfully, people just don't fuck with you. Mm. Most of the time, and it's the same with perpetrators and children. When children can say what their body parts are and they can say, this is my body, don't touch me, perpetrators nine times out of ten will not pursue that child because they're so afraid that that child is going to out them or dob on them or break their silence. That is why protective behaviour education is so important and being able to have a language around what's happened. It's exactly the same as adults. We can own our story. We can share our vulnerability powerfully with our family, even if they're toxic assholes. When you can say, I'm not doing this, and you can own it, they're like, oh, okay, no worries. I still put boundaries in place. I don't like late night parties and drinking because I know it ends up, someone ends up saying something stupid and dumb and I hate it. So I have a lunch and I'm like, all right, I'm tapping out. I'm going home. So... I guess, Neil, you've said it, Justine, you've said it, it's the boundaries, it's knowing that you're okay, it's knowing you're enough, it's having the people around you that you know, like, trust and love, um, you know, having the support in terms of, uh, I think, Justine, you said in the beginning, a psychologist or a therapist, if you need it, mm -hmm. um, and and just owning your space, owning your and. You know, if you don't want people in your home, you, you might want to go to their place for a little bit and then leave because you've got the opportunity then, right? Wherever you feel you can have the most control, just do what you need. Mm -hmm. You don't owe anyone a justification or you don't even have to explain yourself. But when you can explain yourself or you can say what you need with power, yeah. they just shut up mm -hmm. they, most of the time. Unless they're real life, then get rid of it. <laughs> And like speaking about what you said as well around parents, um, you know, I, I want to be really bold. It's, I've got three kids and um, 
you know, one of my kids is not a hugger. You know, he doesn't. He yes, doesn't that's hug. what I want to talk about. Great. Yeah, he doesn't hug. And um, but not very often, you know, like if he does, it's a big deal. And so we've said to my parents, you know, I said, you know, if he doesn't want to, any of our kids don't want to, then bad luck. You know, like that's that's on them. They want to, they, they've said no, that's okay. You need to respect that. It's not 1930. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, there's no kind of need or anything like that. Um, and so, uh, so that's important. The other thing is as parents, it's our job to protect them. Now I'm not talking about like helicopter mum and dad. I'm talking about it's our job to protect them from the people that could harm them. And we assume nothing, you know, like we, we assume nothing. And that what that means is that, um, is that, we don't put them in situations where they get hurt for one. And we always make sure that they're not just included in conversation, but they actually have a voice at every, every turn. And I think that's really, really powerful. Um, the, if I could just give the table talk project a plug for a second, um, we've just created, um, unwrap the magic, uh, have a table talk project Christmas. And, um, and the whole focus is around having conversation around the dinner table, the Christmas table, and children are included. Like these conversation starters, children are included. They're not someone that is sit in the corner, shut up, don't don't go anywhere near that. You know, it's not that. And I think if you have that environment as a parent where you have chosen to say everyone has a voice here and that includes our children, and if anyone screws with that, then therefore you as a parent then you can get that protective mechanism on to say, hang on a sec, my son's talking for a sec, let's have a listen to what he has to say. And I think that there sets a precedent to the kind of environment that you're wanting to create within that, we're in that space for that time. And um, it takes a lot of guts to say that because sometimes you could be pissing off grandma or you could be pissing off mum and dad, whoever it is. And uh, but at the end of the day, your children are more important, way more. Their safety, their protection is way more important than whether grandma needs to talk more than the child. I think that's really important. I um, uh, wanted to touch on a bit of that as well, Neil. So just following on from that, it's around um, maybe people in the family, like, you know, someone's hurting one of your children and they don't want to give grandma a hug or they don't want to give granddad a hug. It's it's that whole um, not making them do that and your children having the ability to give consent um, of whether you sit on Santa's knee. So Santa's knee is a perfect example. It's just like, no, no, you need to go sit on Santa's lap, you know, and, and at family gatherings it's just like go hug granddad. You need to hug granddad. Give granddad a kiss, you know, or give uncle whatever a kiss. And it's really hard because that's, you know, like that list you gave, Justine, it's ingrained in us that that's what we should be doing. Mm, right. Our children could be very well being harmed by someone in the family and instead of making them, to, you know, go kiss uncle and go whatever, maybe we need to be asking the question, why don't they want to go and kiss uncle and why don't they want to do this? Um, and so I just wanted to plant that seed is, you know, allowing our children and even the adults, you know, if they don't want to give someone a hug, there's potentially a reason for it. If they haven't disclosed abuse that's happened historically or, or something along those lines, um, not forcing the issue uh, and allowing children to have a voice. My my sister does it really well with the kids. I always have to ask for a hug when I come in now, but, you know, they, they're very different children and they're like, you know, I get, I get hugs all the time, so it's all good. But, you know, they have a voice in that, which um, is really, really powerful. It's really powerful. Yep. So I just wanted to touch base on that. Maybe you got some tips, Neil, from your work with Child Safe, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I mean, the main thing is that you make sure they have a voice and that you don't force them to do anything. Because at the end of the day, why would you force a child onto a man's lap, a stranger, 
and set that precedent that that's okay. Like, yeah. If you if you've got a young child and you're doing that to Santa, what makes that a difference between forcing them to do that to Uncle Jimmy? There's no difference, you know. I mean, they're both leaders. They're both people. They're both um, adults, and they're both people that shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. And so, your job as a parent is to protect them, to make sure they have that voice. And so, don't don't force that. And but one thing that is really important, and if there's any people with, you know, um, that are from different cultures, um, one of the trainings that we've done as well is to help them to maybe there's some education beforehand. So a phone call to the parents or whatever it is, the grandparents to say, hey, just letting you know, we're trying to teach our children safety and making yeah. sure that they are protected. And we're not saying anything about you guys, but we're just saying that if our kids don't want to hug at any time, it's not your responsibility to ever make them. And we won't ever do that. And it is their choice whether they come and sit on your lap or if they come and give you a hug or whatever it is. You can ask them, but if they say no, then you need to respect their decision. So sometimes, not just different cultures, that's Australia as well, but what we found is in different cultures where it's more of a um, more of a, a cultural uh, norm that you have to kiss, you know, grandma or grandpa or whatever, um, or whoever that is, um, that there is some education involved that is actually really critically important in that. So, so yeah, the other thing is um, you should check out Janine Sanders' book, My Body, What I Say Goes. Really, really, really important book. Um, and uh, she's an amazing author, but it really looks at the uh, seven body safety rules. And part of that is about body autonomy, that this is my body, what I say goes. And so, it's if I don't want to kiss or hug, I don't have to. You know, this is my body boundary. Anyone who comes in here is actually by my choice rather than someone else's choice. And so it's those sorts of things that are really important. The other thing is is about, um, you know, teaching your children that if there is something going on, that there's no secrets in this family. You know, like there's no secrets between us. That You can tell me anything and I will listen and I will respond. I won't judge you and there will be no... Um, uh, reprimanding in any capacity for you talking to me about anything. You can mm. tell anything you want to and I will listen and respect you. Um, and so you're creating that environment in your home first and you're bringing that environment that does not change into a Christmas environment with a whole bunch of other people. So you and your children have to make sure that you guys have the communication. I think I think there's a message here. I was looking um, one thing that we have is a code word. And one of our code words we have um, is whether my children are at a party because my kids are teenagers and they might be at a party and they feel uncomfortable or something's making them feel unsafe. If they need to, they give me a call um, and they just say the code word and I say I'll be there in 10 minutes or half an hour, whatever it is. Um, and so that might be what happens in that family, you know, in that environment. If you hear that word, that you might want to take them aside or get the heck out of there. I love it. I um, I I that was actually one of the comments, and I just, well, we, we're kind of running out of time, but I just do want to thank. There's lots of really wonderful comments and and thoughts and and things that our live audience has been sharing, um, and you just touched on it, uh, Neil. That one of the comments is needing a way out, and I think it doesn't matter if it's the kids or or adults is finding a pathway that when you do start to feel really unsafe or uh, that the environment is becoming too much that you have a, a safety plan or an exit strategy um, and even if it's just one person who knows your story like the person you've come with or something like that um, that you are able to execute that with that person just say hey look I'm I'm, I'm tapped out like let's 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 go you know um, so just being able to safely exit uh, and get out of there in a way that you uh, are still able to maintain your self-care and things like that. Like, you know, we can short-circuit ourselves, I think, and burn ourselves out trying to make Christmas happy and do all the things, and we don't need to. You know, a lot of the times all the things we do is to please other people. And I guess my challenge to you is what do you need 
for this holiday period and for any holiday period. What do you need? What does safe look like for you? Who do you need to talk to in your world? Mm. Um, and maybe what messages do you need to communicate to the people around you? Um, you know, I, and I've written four things down here that it, that doesn't really make any sense, but it makes sense to me. But they're not even words. I made them up. So recognize. So you need to know what your triggers are. Um, and, and what your struggles are when you can verbalize those things and when you can, um, you know, identify what those things are, it makes it so much easier to set your boundaries. But if you don't know what sets you off and you don't know what your triggers are, it makes it very difficult. So that's where having the therapist that Justine mentioned in the beginning is really important to talk that out and say, okay, cool, these, these are the things that don't work for me. All right, strategize. So you need to think about what that looks like. You know, do I need to go to a lunch? Do I need to have a breakfast? You know, what's going to work for me? Do I have someone drive me there or should I go with somebody else or go by myself or what does that look like for you? So set up, make a plan, make a plan that's going to work for you. So boundarize. I know it's not a word, but you'll be able to remember it because they rhyme, right? Recognize, strategize, boundarize. So no goes, your boundaries, who you need to talk to and how are you going to make it happen and then actionize. So put it in action. No means no right and no go if your family is not going to support you people around you are not going to support you you are under no obligation whatsoever to please them impress them to make them happy to walk on eggshells for them that's not happy holidays mm -hmm. so i just hand over neil and justine if you've got any last comments um or any messages you'd love to give off to our our listeners and um we're nearly finished <laughs> you go first justine i'm just trying to think like um i think it's really important to prepare i think it's important to support yourself um i also think it's really important to protect yourself and mm. protecting yourself means you know what we're we're not doing christmas this year or we're going to do our own thing this year. Uh, sometimes just that distance and removing yourself and not actually putting yourself in the situation in the first place is an incredibly healthy thing to do. Uh, it's quite amusing. We've done it several times now. And initially everyone was, you know, a bit offended. Don't you want to be with us? And it's like nobody has any fun <laughs> every year. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, we don't <laughs> love you we'll do something you know together separately it's just about working out what works for you but please 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 do not go to any situation anything if you are suffering from anxiety or dread or any of the things because you deserve to be protected you deserve peace of mind peace in your heart a healthy nervous system um, you deserve to be emotionally stable and protected. And if you are the person that can protect you, if you haven't disclosed, then be that person for you. Be who you needed when you were younger. Mm. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, yeah, look, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say that um, when it comes to protecting yourself, that um it's actually okay to feel what you're feeling like mm. before after during everything it's okay to feel what you're feeling mm. and sometimes we feel guilty for feeling the way we do we should love our parents we should do this because that's what society kind of says that you should do but one thing that i've learned and want to pass on to you is that feel what you feel when you feel and that's actually okay. And if you need to step out for a moment to gather those those thoughts and to reflect for a moment, that's actually okay as well. And if you need to bring a support person with you to your Christmas party, then do that. You know, if you don't have um, a partner or you don't have a family or anything like that, um, but you kind of need to be at this place, bring a support person. You know, it's okay to do that. Um, they can be your mate, your your plus one, if you like, you know, um, and that opportunity as well. So 
yeah, I would echo what Justine said and, and to be kind to yourself. And I'll say that to me and I'll say that to you guys on the screen too. Be kind to yourself um, and be okay with, with who you are, where you are right now. That's all right. Beautiful. Thank you both so much. Um, guys, I uh, just on behalf of myself, the team, Neil and Justine, I just do want to wish you an absolutely wonderful, happy and safe holiday, what, however you decide to celebrate it. Uh, many of us don't celebrate Christmas, so just enjoy your time. Um, go catch some fish, catch some sun, make sure you put some sunscreen on, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. I, I just I pray that you make many happy memories um, mm. that are not full of stress and trauma. Yeah. Um, so just make it make it how you want it to be and the kind of Christmas that you believe uh, that you should have and you should have a wonderful Christmas and you deserve a wonderful Christmas. So um, blessings to you and to your families. Please stay safe. For those of you um, who don't have it yet, uh, please feel free to download my Reclaim Your Freedom book. It's eight cycle-breaking strategies for survivors. Um, scan that for me and I'll be in contact. I've got courses starting really, really soon, guys. Uh, you're probably going to see Neil and Justine's face in there as well. Um, these two amazing human beings uh, are rock solid and they will be part of uh, the Kelly Humphreys courses moving forward. So please um, download that book and you'll be the first to hear about these courses when they go live. Uh, thank you again so much for being part of the show. We're going to take a break over Christmas and we'll be back after Christmas uh, midway through January. Uh, so, again, happy holidays. Thank you, Justine and Neil. And we will see you guys very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. See you guys.